Raise to Walk Podcast, Episode 14. Welcome to the Raise to Walk Podcast, where we're walking out the life of faith. Romans 6, verse 4 reads, As Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. And this show is designed to help you do just that. Now here's your host, Carla Alvarez. Thanks for joining me for the Race to Box podcast. And today I'm talking about Thanksgiving and about giving thanks. Sometimes people complain about the Christmas celebrations beginning too early, but our Thanksgiving service on Sunday was awesome, highlighting the reason we have to give thanks. And if you visit the Raise to Walk site at raisetowalk.org forward slash P14, you can see a video of part of that service. In the video, someone quotes the passage from the first chapter of John. In the video and also on the article, I reference some of the verses that reinforce that whole first passage about of John 1. So Jonah 2.2, 2, In my distress, I called out to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried out from the depth of Sheol, and you heard my voice. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. And John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness understood it not. And then going down to John chapter 1 verses 10 through 11. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. And this is a fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah 53, 3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. And then in John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to the woman, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And then in John twelve forty four through 46 And Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. He who sees me sees the one who sent me. I have come as light into the world, so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. When Jesus came and lived and witnessed to the people of Israel and then died for our sins, it was a fulfillment of the promise given in the Old Testament. Numbers 23.19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? And then again in Isaiah 55.11, So will my word, which goes out forth from my mouth, will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. And the promise of the cross is given in John 1.12, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. And John explains again, exactly how that promise was fulfilled in John one fourteen, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, 
the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And this goes back and answers the question asked in one of the Jewish riddles of Proverbs 34. Who has ascended up into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name, and what is his son's name, if thou canst tell? And that son was given to us, and it was a fulfillment of the promise in Isaiah 9.6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And this promise was given even when the law was given. This is in Deuteronomy 18.15-19, God's words to Moses. The Lord said to me, They have spoken well. I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command them. It shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. So that prophecy is foretelling the coming of Jesus and that that Jesus would speak for God himself. And this is another description of that promise from Isaiah 40.11. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom. And he shall gently lead those that are with young. And again in Isaiah 11.2. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And again in Isaiah 61, 2, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the broken-hearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them there abound. And this was the exact verse that Jesus quoted in a synagogue, letting people know that he was the one that they were waiting for. And another prophecy about the Messiah that would suffer in Isaiah 52:14, and this just so exactly described what happened to Jesus even before he was taken to the cross when he was so um, he was whipped and he was beaten. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred by more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. And David saw, foresaw this and spoke this in a prophecy in Psalms 22:14 through 18 I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint my heart is like wax it has melted within me my strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue clings to my jaws you have brought me to the dust of death for dogs have surrounded me the congregation of the wicked has enclosed me they pierce my hands and my feet i can count all my bones they look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. This is exactly what happened at the crucifixion. Jesus was beaten before he was whipped. He was whipped thirty-nine lashes with a cat of nine tails. And if you research this and study it, it was so severe that um, it probably just flesh was just ripped to the bones, and that his descriptions of what he suffered, he he didn't even look human. That's what it, Isaiah 52 was referencing. This is exactly, exactly what happened to Jesus. They pierced his hands and his feet when he was crucified. And this was prophesied before crucifixion was even a common practice. 
the guard the Roman guards at the foot of the cross where Jesus was hanging they actually did cast lots for his his cloak because it was there were no seams to it and so they didn't want to rip it in part and so they cast lots for it and then in Philippians 2 8 through 11 Paul makes it very clear exactly who they were talking about and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father and this is what Job spoke about and what he he foresaw and what he prophesied in Job 19:25 through 27 for I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. And another verse that talks about the goodness of God and his redemption is Psalms 107, 1-2. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. And again in Psalms 107, 8-9, Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. That is a real reason for Thanksgiving. So this year Thanksgiving is unique. If people hadn't heard of Hanukkah before this, the Jewish festival of lights, I'm sure that they have now. For the first time since 1888, Thanksgiving has fallen on the first day of Hanukkah, which is the 25th of Kislev. I've heard a lot of people saying, this won't happen again for another 79,000 years, which I think came from an article on time. So this article on time, uh, I have a link to it on the Race to Walk site, again at racetowalk.org forward slash p14. They don't really do that great of a job of explaining what Hanukkah is about, but they also kind of skew what, uh, they reference Puritans, and they kind of miss the whole fact that the Puritans came to the U.S. because they were escaping religious persecution in England. So uh, some of the stuff that they're saying is a little off, and so this whole statement about the 79,000 years, don't really trust that, that either. So I did a little more research, and according to an article on Chabad.org, the Jewish calendar is shifting, and eventually not only will Hanukkah be completely out of November, but the other feasts will be out of their appointed seasons as well. So how someone came up with this 79,000-year figure, I don't know. On Chabad.org, it's in the Thanksgiving dates this year on 1128. It lines up with the 25th of Kislev, which is the first sign of Hanukkah. So theoretically, in November 27th, 2070... The 24th of Kislev will be, uh, actually, that will line up. And then on the 20, uh, November 28th, 2160, there will be, it will line up with the 24th of Kislev, which is actually the night before. So it's, it, they have one candle. So Thanksgiving will fall during the eight-day celebration of Hanukkah in 2070 and 2165. And I, I think that 79,000-year estimate is really kind of bogus. In another article on Chabad.org, the writer gives a much better explanation of the connection of Thanksgiving and Hanukkah. 
Thanksgiving is the narrative about an arduous journey to escape religious persecution for freedom in a new land, the establishment of a democratic charter, and the sense of divine providence that carried those refugees through their plight. That's Hanukkah, as well as a narrative deeply embedded in the collective Jewish psyche of how we fought back against religious oppression in our own land, earned our freedom, and thanked God for the miracles. It also explains why the observance matters. So Hanukkah and Thanksgiving are deeply connected, and that connection can be summed up in just four words. Thank God we're free. Why are those words important? Thanksgiving is a national holiday, but not a religious holiday. But please tell me, whom are Americans thanking? The turkey? So what's so important about thanking God? Because it's at that point that you truly become free of religious oppression. Holidays, which the word came from holy days, aren't just about family and food. They are times of remembering, and not only to remember, but to remember what God has done for us. While there are different claims to the first Thanksgiving, including a Catholic Mass in 1565, a Feast of Thanksgiving in 1607, and the most commonly identified with the Thanksgiving, the Pilgrim Feast in 1622, Thanksgiving did not become an official national holiday until 1863. In that year, Abraham Lincoln responded to a request by Sarah Hale, editor of Godly's Lady Book and author for a National Day of Thanksgiving and Prayer. She had petitioned presidents for 15 years with no success. However, in 1863, in the midst of the American Civil War, President Lincoln agreed with her that it was necessary for the nation to be united in prayer. And this is from the proclamation by Abraham Lincoln. By the President of the United States of America, a proclamation. The year that is drawing towards its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties, which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come, others have been added, which are of so extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart which is habitually insensible to the ever-watching providence of Almighty God. In the midst of a civil war of unequaled magnitude and severity, which has sometimes seemed to foreign states to invite and to provoke their aggression, Peace has been preserved with all nations. Order has been maintained. The laws have been respected and obeyed, and harmony has prevailed everywhere except in the theater of military conflict. While that theater has been greatly contracted by the advancing armies and navies of the Union, needful diversions of wealth and of strength from the fields of peaceful industry to the national defense have not arrested the plow, the shuttle, or the ship, the axe has enlarged the borders of our settlements, and the mines, as well as the iron and coal of the precious metals, have yielded even more abundantly than heretofore. Population has steadily increased, notwithstanding the waste that has been made in the camp, the siege, and the battlefield, and the country, rejoicing in the consciousness of augmented strength and vigor, is permitted to ex expect continuous of years with large increase of freedom. No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy. 
It has seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States, and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands, to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwells in heaven. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly due him for such singular deliverance and blessings, they do also with humble penitence for our national perseverance and disobedience, commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged, and fervently implore the interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it as soon as may cons be consistent with the divine purposes to the fulfillment of to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquillity, and union. In testimony whereof I have hereto set my hand and caused the seal of the United States to be affixed, done in the city of Washington this third day of October, in the year of our Lord, 1,863, and the independence of the United States, the 88th, by the President Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln acknowledged that even in the midst of the most traumatic and divisive war that the nation had seen, the U.S. was being blessed. Did he use that to give himself a boost over his political enemies? No, he gave the glory to God. He acknowledged that the nation was blessed beyond what it deserved, and that it was not by human effort, but those blessings were solely through the grace of God. The Thanksgiving proclamation was not only setting aside the day for thanksgiving and prayer to God, but also as a day of repentance. He called on the nation to call to God, repenting of the sins of the nation, and to ask God to bring peace. He acknowledged the one who all blessings come from and asked for God's continued guidance because President Lincoln knew, as did King David, that there is no success unless the Lord builds a house. This is Psalms 127, 1-2. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. For the references and sources in, that I mentioned in this episode, you can visit raisetowalk.org forward slash p14 for the full references and, and links to the sources. And now let's end with a prayer. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness and your faithfulness to us. Help us to follow the example that President Lincoln set by recognizing the blessings that you have given us even when we're in the midst of a trial. Help us to always thank you for everything that you've done for us and to recognize that while we may be going through something at a particular point in our life, that every th good thing in our life comes from you and that we need to just remember that and thank you for that and stand on your promise of faithfulness knowing that you will be with us and see us through any trial that we may face. I thank you for this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to the Raised to Walk podcast. We'd love for you to continue to walk with us, so head over to raisedtowalk.org news to get free updates. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you next time.